0: Welcome to Earth Matters, environmental and social justice news and stories from Australia and the world. This episode is produced on Gadigal and Darwall land for 3CR Radio and broadcast across this continent on the Community Radio Network. I'm Jem Romold. This episode is the first of two on the frontier of extractive industries, experimental deep sea mining. The first deep sea mining project worldwide to get a green light is in the Bismarck Sea of Papua New Guinea, which is ringed by islands and coastal communities that depend on the sea. Over two episodes, we'll explore this proposal and the campaign to stop the mining rigs.
1: Uh, My name's Natalie Lowry. I'm the communications coordinator for the Deep Sea Mining Campaign.
0: Uh, Can you please locate us on the map of the world? What area are we talking about?
1: So the first um, deep sea mine to be given a operating license is in the Bismarck Sea and Papua New Guinea. So deep sea mining, you actually have to go back to the nineteen seventies. That's when they started considering uh, mining our seabeds, um, but due to you know technology, uh, financing, it, it wasn't tenable then. So. It's probably been since the, I don't know, the, probably early to mid-2000s that there's been a bit of a push for this new industry. And Nautilus sort of came on the scene uh, probably around 2007 and actually was pushing um, to start in another part of the Bismarck Sea, kind of on the other side, near Kaka Island and Bagabag Island in Medang Province. Um, And Nautilus, it's a Canadian company. Um, It's a small company, and this is definitely experimental. Uh, The people behind Nautilus, the two main investors, one is a Omanian uh, billionaire, and the other one is a Russian oligarch and billionaire, one of the richest men in Russia. Um, And then one of the investors, a smaller investor in it, um, but a massive mining company, is Anglo-American. Uh, there were other companies in the beginning, including Barrett Gold, but they have sort of pulled out, uh, and even Anglo American's investment has gone down to about I think maybe somewhere between three and five percent now. So the main investors are these these two billionaires, mm. um, which makes it quite difficult for us to uh, target them and campaign in terms of a finance investor campaigning. <laughs>
2: My name is a retired Colonel William Bartley and uh, I'm a retired Colonel in the military with 34 years' uh, service to the military. And I've decided that uh, I get back home uh, in 2011, uh, basically because I heard that there was a new cement mine that is going to be uh, constructed back at home, and given the uh, situation back at home which a lot of people uh, do not know about the uh, issues of seabed mining and it's going to be the first of its kind. So I thought that one of the issues that I can be able to address is uh, to be there with them to advise them on the uh, impact of this uh, new development initiative that is taking place in the uh, in the West Coast of New Ireland where Solar Water One uh, Seabed mining is uh, going to be undertaken and uh, to solo a work which has now been underexplored. Yes, so that is me, retired uh, Canadian badly.
1: So this um, Nautilus Minerals SOWAR1 project, do you have concerns if it went ahead, like do you think there will be some impacts?
2: Yes, definitely. Yeah. <clears throat> the issue is that this is going to be the first of its kind globally. All right. Uh, My research also shows that uh, Namibia uh, once went into uh, deep-sea mining, but uh, perhaps it was only uh, about 350 meters, mining uh, diamond, and there was a vast effect in the uh, pollution in the the ocean, and the national government of uh, Namibia decided to close the, the mine. Uh, it affected on the uh, economy of the nation because they were they were no longer exporting seafood uh, back to uh, New Island because it is going to be 1, 600, uh, a thousand six hundred yeah six hundred meters below sea. That is something definitely new. Uh, we have a lot of land based mining in, in, in uh, Papua New Guinea. The fact about it is we have experienced a lot of uh, uh, environmental effect. Uh, one of that is basically in the Teddy. Uh, Oktari uh, was said that it was going to be the safest mine after they built the uh, tailing. Two weeks after that, every rain uh, broke the tailing dam. And what has happened to Fly River is uh, uh It has affected the, the uh, marine life, uh, the livelihood of the people. And uh, I was just wondering what kind of effect it could happen to the sea. Uh, I've read a lot about the... Uh, the experiences of the, the world. And to us in, in, in uh West Coast, New Island, the fact about the matter is because there is very limited knowledge. We come from an area that uh, information is not uh, available to us a lot of time. also cultural uh, uh, practice with the sea through the shark calling, uh, which is a very uh, renowned uh, culture that has been captured globally. Uh, not only that, the fact about it is our livelihood depends entirely on, on the sea. Uh, the sea is our hospital, the sea is our garden. Uh, we depend on the sea uh, through cultural, through, through our spiritual uh, uh, belief. and. Because of very limited knowledge, and because this is going to be the first of its kind, I was just wondering what kind of impact. And given the kind of uh, situations that we were in, I thought that that would be a bridge to the people. And yes, we have taken this matter up with the Prime Minister. I have actually wrote to the Prime Minister, the Deputy Prime Minister, the mining minister, who also come from the same district, uh, uh, Byron Chen, And uh, the Minister for Environment, uh, Pundari, who was then the mining minister, who actually approved the uh, environmental impact study, Uh, up until today, I have not received any response.
0: That was retired Colonel William Bartley from New Island province in Papua New Guinea, being interviewed by Natalie Lowry, who we also heard from at the top of the show. William Bartley spoke about the negative experience of mining on land in PNG and in other parts of the world and his lack of confidence in a new experimental form of mining going well. Natalie is the communications coordinator for the Deep Sea Mining Campaign and will tell us more about the process of deep sea mining. And why is it in Papua New Guinea? Why out of anywhere in the world have they focused in on this particular area in the Bismarck Sea? To, to try out this new method? I'd say in part
1: because uh, Papua New Guinea was easy place to get something like this up and running with the government there and uh, the unfortunate sort of corruption. Uh, and you only have to look at Papua New Guineans land-based mining to see that um, there's been a lot of disasters. The... Lack of, you know, any sort of regulation or monitoring in a place like Papua New Guinea, um, it makes it a lot easier for a, a company to have this experimental kind of seabed mining mm-hmm. um, and and to get it try and get it up and running. And it isn't operating yet. It's mm-hmm. they're aiming to try and operate in the first quarter of 2019, but they originally were wanting to operate in 2011. So it has been. Push back and push back, and in part it's because of lack of investment. So, financially, Nautilus is not in a great way. Um, And also, technology. But they have the technology now. The three main machines are in Modokia Island, close to Port Moresby, um, and they're currently being tested in what we see as kind of crazy testing conditions that don't actually replicate 1500 metres down the ocean. In terms of Nautilus and the way that they want to, um, basically cut open these hydrothermal vents for the minerals there. So it's mainly gold and copper, although we'd say there's probably other minerals there as well. Mm. They're very high grade, um, and that's why they want to, you know, uh, exploit mm. these these very unique ecosystems that we actually know very little about. Mm. So there's three main machines that Nautilus is working. With And as, as I said, those three are currently being tested um, just, just out of Port Moresby in Papua New Guinea. Um, the first one is um, almost like a excavator. It, it sort of will push, the, push the, the kind of seabed and then the other one will kind of, uh, I guess, grab all the materials. And then the third one um, will take those materials, suck it up a riser pipe to a vessel at the top of the ocean so in none of this process will anything actually happen on land so there are actually no benefits for local communities okay. that ship once they've filled it with ore will go back to china where it will be processed okay. so it's pretty much happens out on the ocean okay. so there's no uh use of chemicals as such like you would see say in a land-based mine um but there will definitely be impacts at all stages, and one of our deepest concerns is um that sort of dredging process or removing of the sea floor and the sediment and the plumage that creates is created from that will have heavy metals and other toxics in it, and we're very concerned how that moves in the ocean and rises up the food chain, which inevitably will impact coastal communities whose very lives and livelihoods um, you know are really very reliant on the ocean in mm-hmm. Papua New Guinea. My name is Larina Mowea.
3: I am from East Cipic, but I am here in Namatanai for almost six years, going seven. And I am a mother in the house, but I have completed studies at UPNG Social Work. I am currently doing a little preschool in the area i think the Nautilus company as we all know that it's coming to develop the seabed the people are so concerned and i for one as a mother i am very concerned about the social impact that it will have on the families especially the mothers and children so far so good i've seen the Nautilus has been coming here doing little services like setting up clinic in labor in the west coast area However, it did not send any medication to Namatanai Hospital. Why is that so, I will be asking. And all the best medicine are in Labur. And the people are dying in Namatanai Hospital, which is just a few kilometers away from Labur. What is it showing to us as Papua New Guinean? I want the people from New Ireland and Papua New Guineans are all to see that. Nautilus is just after our minerals. They are not into our interest. Why should I say that? Because they are not pumping money to where the mouth is, and they are already setting up their operation here. The machines are already in Mosby, and they are already coming in here. And there's another thing that the government, that people should be asking the government is, has there been any cooperation that is set up Papua New Guinea, especially New Island, there is no scene of anybody around here that is seen as an NGO or a state-run uh, corporation to tell us that the government is interested in the negative impacts of the mine. And yet the neutralists has been here doing all these things. Where is the Papua New Guinean government doing to address these negative impacts? That's my concern as the mother.
0: This is Lorena Morea, a teacher in the New Island province, which is the islands to the east of the proposed Solwara-1 mining project. She's been speaking about the shallow and misguided attempts of Nautilus to win social consent for the deep-sea mining proposal.
3: I realised that the west coast people, starting from labu Rabin and down all the way to Susurua-Konoagil, on the west coast of New Island, it's very rocky and rugged. And there is no way that you can be able to grow crest crop. So they are depending entirely on betel nut, and they are living next to the sea. Actually, like Hanwabada, they are just sleeping on the sea. As such, there is no way that they can walk up and build their houses on the land. I mean the inner bushes. They are living on the sea. And if this mining thing is going on, It will bring in concrete, it will bring in bigger rocks, and it will bring in all the spillage of um, oil and other waste material onto the shore. It will really spoil the living space for the people. And also the marine that is associated with the people, they are entirely dependent on fish as their appetite. And if the mining continues, how would our people from the west coast of New Island leave, especially the west coast and the Duke of York Island and also the jowl people going towards Lavangai? How would they leave? The sea is very important to them. Can the government start thinking how these people leave? Can they just postpone the mining to some other time so that they do a good feasibility study and see that this mining is necessary or not?
0: I understand there's quite a few projects. There's not just Sawara 1, it goes up to Sawara 11 and we just looked at a, a map that shows um, the extent of the exploration leases all across the Bismarck Sea. It's such a huge area. Um, so a lot of coastal communities could potentially be impacted. Well, did come out recently
1: in a media in Papua New Guinea where they pretty much stated this is not just about Sawara 1, it's about another sawara and another sawara. So, this is absolutely not just about sawara one or this one particular project. It's about opening up the Bismarck Sea and the Solomon Sea mm. to this very new extractive industry. Mm. Um, and it's also the tipping point for the Pacific because currently there's um, up to 1.5 million square kilometres under exploration leasehold mm. of d- deep sea mining in the Pacific. So, this is just, this is. very much a frontline issue for Papua New Guineans, particularly the coastal communities of the Bismarck and Solomon Seas. Mm. But this is an international issue Mm. because they are wanting to... uh, It's like a race to the the bottom of the ocean to, you know, extract and exploit.
0: Natalie Lowry, Communications Coordinator for the Deep Sea Mining Campaign. So now uh,
1: in the last year or so, year and a half... There is now the Alliance of Sawara Warriors, and Sawara is basically saltwater, it's the ocean. Um, and they are currently in the provinces of New Island province, which is you know closest to Sawara one, East New Britain, Medang, and more recently um, Manus, and also um, Moreau province. And we are now hearing, also in the last week, that the province of Oro and, and also Milne Bay, the communities there are also starting to wake up to this is, this is actually a very big issue, a national issue for Papua New Guinea, and for communities to start coming together to to save their Bismarck Sea, to save their ocean. Um, so that's the grassroots. And those communities engage in uh, awareness raising, using cultural performances, uh, um, coming together also as the alliance, so from their different provinces and working together. And and I guess over the next year they really want to build and keep building this alliance across Papua New Guinea. Mm. They also have um, had representatives go to Pacific meetings last year this year sorry in april there was a meeting in fiji where the alliance of sawara warriors were the keynote speakers Mm. um and their call for a ban on seabed mining in png and across the pacific was then echoed by church leaders who were also at that meeting Mm. Um, so now the churches we have uh, png cardinal john rebart who has come out very very strongly um, the lutheran church and and the churches in places like Papua New Guinea and actually across the Pacific represent millions of people. Mm-hmm. It is very important that they um, are standing with these local communities mm-hmm. and coming out very strongly mm-hmm. and more recently we 've had um, a new ally to the campaign, and that 's Sir Arnold Ahmitt, who was the former Attorney General and Chief Justice in Papua New Guinea,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and he 's also basically coming out saying this has to we have to stop this before it starts
4: uh, my name is uh, Jenny Jack Uh, I came from East New Britain in Duke of York Highlands This experimental seabed mining is going to uh, come and uh, dig in Solwara 1. And when we heard about the experimental seabed mining, we don't want experimental seabed mining to be in our Solwara 1 because it will pollute our sea and our ocean. So we don't want seabed mining. We want to ban seabed mining.
1: And why is the ocean so important to you? Our ocean is important
4: because times we go out to the ocean and we uh, catch fish and there are some important things also in the ocean such as uh, we've got clans where they have uh, uh, private areas in the ocean. That's why we don't want the seabed mining, experimental seabed mining To dig our Solwara One, when we uh, went there to to our coastal areas and our communities, and we make uh, what happiness to the people, they don't want to. They don't want the uh, experimental seabed mining to be operating our Solwara One, because they know that it will uh, damage our our. our, It will pollute our sea, and it will. uh, spoil our livelihood, and also it will uh, take us uh, some more hundred years so it will uh, uh, cover the messes where experimental seabed mining is going to dig there so they don't want, they want to ban seabed mining. Okay. Now the main uh, resource we earn from the sea is uh, mm-hmm. fish. We catch fish and then we sell it for our money and for our food and everything. We pay for our school fees and, and so on. That's why we don't want experimental seabed mining to come and dig in our Solwara 1. Otherwise, if they come and they dig and then they will continue on grabbing the other uh, seas like Sea uh, Solwara 2, 3, and 4. That's why we don't want seabed mining to be operated in our salt water. We, we totally want to ban seabed mining and uh, tell Nautilus to get uh,
0: all the machines to go back to Canada. This is Jenny Jack, a representative of the Alliance of the Solwara Warriors. She is from the Duke of York Islands, to the southeast of the Solwara 1 proposed mine site in the Bismarck Sea, Papua New Guinea. As Natalie mentioned a couple of months ago, the head of the Catholic Church in Papua New Guinea, Cardinal John Ribat, came out publicly against Nautilus's mine proposal. As a body that represents millions of Papua New Guineans, this is a significant boost to the campaign.
5: BNG. My name is Godfrey Jordan Abage. I am the CARTES coordinator for CARO Paris. I am currently the coordinator on the ground, working t- together with uh, John Mamori from Matanai Paris and Jonathan Mesulam from the West Coast Development Foundation. We've made a good team so far. And since the bishop, Cardinal Sir John Rebatt releases his statement uh, on behalf of the church saying no to seabed mining, we took out the the message from there and we started doing awareness about two months ago. And we are a strong team on the ground. Um, I know we've got a lot of support from our people from the west coast and of New Ireland. And that doesn't mean that the East Coast side of New Island should uh, sit back and relax. The issue will affect New Island as a whole. And as a targeted province for the seabed mining, I think, today, the forum today has shown where the people are. If you look at the, the atmosphere and the contribution, the participation, it is showing that the people of New Island is saying no, together with the church. They're saying no now to seabed mining. I've been telling some of my youths that we will defend our place, our island and our seas with our blood. That's the extreme. Before the government takes any actions, consider that your people in New Islanders will suffer. And we are asking you to refrain, restrain from the activity. It's not safe for our future. It's not even safe for us today.
4: And the other thing also is because experimental seabed mining it's first of its kind. They're going to uh, have it in our in in our country. So that means why not they go back to their country and do their experimental seabed mining in their country, but not our country, Papua New Guinea and East New Britain and New Ireland, and even our Solwara one. That's why we want experimental seabed mining to be banned, and also it's an experiment, so anything can be happen to our life, because in the land we know how deep is the land is, and in the sea we don't know how. That means anything can be happen, because we are on the channels of the volcano, and anything can be happen. Our uh, volcano can be up or what else. So we don't want seabed mining to be operate in our Solwara One.
0: That was Jenny Jack from the Alliance of the Solwara Warriors, and before her was Godfrey Abigay. Earlier in this show, we heard from Lorena Morea, a teacher from the New Island province, retired Colonel William Bartley, also from the New Island province, and Natalie Lowry from the Deep Sea Mining Campaign. Thanks to Natalie for the music and interviews conducted in Papua New Guinea. The music you've heard on this show is from the shark-calling community from the closest village to Solwara One, the women of Kaka Island singing, and we'll go out now with protest music against deep-sea mining from the Karkar Island youth. On the next episode, we'll continue the story of the Solwata Warriors and the campaign to stop deep-sea mining, looking especially at upcoming legal action. In the meantime, you can read up at allofthews.deepseaminingoutofourdepth.org. This is Earth Matters. I'm Jem Rommeld, and I produce this show on Gadigal and Durable land in New South Wales for 3CR Radio in Melbourne and to be broadcast across Australia thanks to the wonderful Community Radio Network. We'd like to thank the Community Broadcasting Foundation for their financial support, and if you'd like to get in touch with us, you can email earthmatters3cr at gmail.com, call up the station on 03 or you can find our Facebook page, which is Earth Matters. Our shows are available online at 3cr.org.au/slash earthmatters. Thanks for listening and tune in again next week for Out of Our Depth Part 2.
2: Oh, see.
5: Global Intifada bringing you current affairs through revolutionary and protest music from around the world.
4: Every Thursday afternoon from 5 till 6 on 3CR.
5: Because music is our bomb.